hand into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Yes, welcome my friends to another edition of the Spoiler Room. So glad you could come down the stairs and pull up a chair and join the crew and I tonight to discuss an interesting film. We're doing Jeff Goldblum films this month. And just before we get into things, I just want to say this is episode number 250. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, I never thought I'd get past episode 10. So it, it is awesome. Uh, we appreciate all the listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. First off, he is back in the spoiler room. He was with us pretty much from the start as well. It is none other than the BFD. Hello, Glenn. How are you, sir? Dude. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, I don't have subtitles for this, so this will be a uh, this will be interesting. And <laughs> next uh, to Glenn, uh, we have the diva of the spoiler room, the extraordinarily talented and always lovely Dawn. Hello, Dawn. How are you? I am fantastic. Good evening, Glenn. Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, Mark. Yes, uh, and, and good evening to you, and and you're the reason why we're doing Jeff Goldblum Month, so I just thought I'd let you know it, this is your influence, uh, so I just thought I'd, I'd throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> so, so folks, you, you know who to blame. No, just kidding. <laughs> who to blame. People love this shit. They do love this shit. You absolutely are correct. And speaking of love, the lovely... Mr. Gonzarific himself, Andrew Shearer, is in the his house tonight. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm like, Don, you just said shit. That was awesome. <laughs> Hold up now. I wasn't calling you shit. No, nah, she just said shit. It was awesome. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm usually the one that messes up and says something fucking, whoop, there we go. There. But that was great. Um, yeah, no, this is wonderful. I'm a fan of everyone here in this room and also of Goldblum. We didn't do Ernie Kovacs. You like Ernie Kovacs? That movie Goldblum did about Ernie Kovacs? Just I... me? Okay, moving oh, on. Oh, no, that's a great movie. Okay. <laughs> Ernie I... Kovacs is awesome. So anything involving him, I'm all on board for. All right, man. I, I have not seen that one, I don't think. so. I don't even know if the name was Ernie Kovacs, the, the movie. It was but, like a TV movie. Yeah. Goldblum played Ernie Kovacs. No, I, I know which one you're talking about. I just I hadn't watched it, so... Um, but we did watch this one. Uh, this is a month to where my wife has accompanied me uh, to watch these films. In fact, they're her copies. Uh, <laughs> and with Earth Girls Are Easy, uh, she couldn't find her copy. So she went on Amazon and got a new copy because she needed a copy because she does adore this film. And uh, Dawn, uh, since... Uh, oh, what? Really? Again? Oh, I, I did give it to you last time. That's true. <laughs> But I wanted right. to hear. I, All right. All right. You know what? We'll, we'll give it to Glenn. Glenn. Yeah, let's, let's hear Glenn's synopsis 
of Earth Girls Are Easy. I'm sorry, Dawn. You're right. I shouldn't. <laughs> you do it so well, though. So. Oh. <laughs> Can you... Earth, Earth, yes, no, sorry. Uh, <laughs> a beautician? I'm guessing that's what I'm going to call her. I never see her actually do much of anything as beautician-wise. That's mostly Julie Brown's gig, apparently. Um, but Gina Davis is a beautician whose uh, fiancé is kind of a dick. Some aliens crash in a pool. Aliens are less of a dick. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, well, well said. <laughs> That's pretty Jeff much... Goldblum is blue and furry. <laughs> until you shave him. Until you... <laughs> Until you shave him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Earth Girls are easy. Uh, Andrew, you remember when you first saw this film? I do, man. I was like uh, a big fan of Julie Brown uh, from MTV. Mm-hmm. And so I was all about anything that she would. I was just a big MTV like watcher. Like just, sure. just sit and watch it all. That was my that's my generation or whatever. But yeah, I was big fan of Julie Brown and. uh so I was super ready. I mean, I, I didn't realize until I've rewatched it years later that she actually came up with the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the story behind that and the casting and all the other great trivia about it. But um, I was just, I was all about it. And that was before In Living Color had come out also. So I think I mm-hmm. knew Goldblum from The Fly. I knew, um, I knew Jim Carrey from Once Bidden. And uh, Damon Wayne. Want- yeah, yeah, and Damon and because they were stand-up comedians, so I knew them. Mm-hmm. Gina Davis had Transylvania Six Five Thousand come out yet already, or no? Uh, um, I thought that was after this. Just, or was it before? Okay. No, it was before. It was before. Okay. Before it was just right, bef- yeah. it was just before this, though. All right, so yeah, I was a big yeah, I was a fan of all of that stuff, so I was all about it, and I yeah, I, I loved it, man. I loved the little music videos that are in it too, the music stuff. It wasn't weird to me. It was weird to me when I rewatched it as a grown up, <laughs> but as a kid, it, you know. I was like, you know, deep in MTV style. So, um, <laughs> you know, there was a contrast, but yet, yeah, I loved it. Absolutely. Loved it. I'm definitely crush on Julie Brown big time. <laughs> well, Genius Davis, I uh, was kind of crushing on. And actually, 88 was her year because she had this Beetlejuice and the Accidental Tourist, uh, which um, went on to get some Academy nods, I believe. Uh, so this was like her year for sure. Um, as, as the title character Valerie. So, yeah, uh, Don, how about you with the uh, first time you saw this? I saw it when I was in high school. I remember seeing it, but I, I kind of dismissed it at that point. Mm-hmm. I was, this was definitely not a style of movie that I was horribly enthralled with. I mean, it was very MTV. Um, as Andrew mentioned, but I was I was doing more reading than movie watching, and I was interested in a completely different style of movie. I had seen, like Andrew had mentioned once, Bitten and Transylvania 65000, and um, uh, a lot of those style movies, and it was all mostly background for the people I was hanging around with at the time. So I didn't give it a whole lot of credence until much later as an adult. Oh, nice. And Glenn, how about you, sir? 
I didn't see this until I was almost 30. Really? And, yep. And what did you think of it after waiting uh, so long? <laughs> well, the uh, interesting story is my friend bought this thinking it was a porno. <laughs> and then found out it found out it wasn't um, and gave it to me. <laughs> oh my god, that's the so, best. <laughs> yes. It's the best. I'm assuming he thought it was a porno because he basically said, Yeah, he goes, I got this there's like there's like no no titties in it at all. I'm like Well, dude, it's Gina Davis. What are you, <laughs> Jeff, what are, what are you expecting? Did you look at the cover at all and see because, uh, like I said, I was in my 30s, so by this time, I mean, everyone knew who, was, knew who Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis were. Right. Um, fewer people probably remember Julie Brown, even though she's been active, her, I mean, ever since. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. So I'm like, okay, I got uh, he gave it to me. It was a VHS tape. I watched it. I'm like, well, that was interesting. I wonder, I wonder how... Uh, I'm a little mixed on what I, because I remember seeing the cover where it's like, you know, a comedy musical. I'm like, it's, it barely qualifies as a musical, <laughs> I think, because there's not that many songs in it. Right. For what I think of as a musical, you know, it's, but it was interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and I will say right now that this is the first time I sat all the way through this film. This past uh, yesterday, it was. Um, and, oh boy. Uh, I had seen bits and pieces on cable, you know, the, the standard cable thing to where um, uh, you're flipping through channels and you run across. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, Gina Davis, because I was crushing on Gina Davis. Um, and so you'd watch bits and pieces, but I never sat down and watched it from start to finish. And let me tell you, uh, I had fun with this film as well. Uh, it is out there. It is, it is, it is such a window into the eighties. Um, <laughs> that from the, from the fashions on, it's like, man. Uh, but at the same time, there is a lot of cool stuff in here and the sheer volume of people who are known names that are tied to this film are uh, are crazy. I didn't realize Michael McKeon was in it as as the surfer dude <laughs> who was fantastic, you know. Uh and Jim Carrey when we first get cuz when the film opens we're introduced first to the the furry aliens. Uh the Jeff Goldblum's um Jeff Goldblum's blue character is sleeping and we have almost an unrecognizable until he starts gyrating Jim Carrey. Uh, and Jim Carrey in the red makeup. And then Damon Wayans also was, I thought, uh, not very recognizable in a good way in this, when we, when we first open, it was like the makeup that was done on them was actually pretty good as well as the set. Uh, you know, uh, Glenn, what did you think of the, the production design of, of what they had going on here, especially with the aliens in that for the type of film this is? You know, in the eighties, especially. Uh, you know, it, it has. I thought it had a very camp feel to it, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, what I assume they were going for. Right. Um, 
but it's it's got kind of that you know that retro camp kind of feel to it. Um, but I also kind of like how it's the spaceship is like it's kind of like a hot rod spaceship if you look at the outside because it's got like the grill and everything. Yep. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty nifty. I mean, yeah, I, I found the, the make it makeup serves the purpose he needs to serve. It's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually I was surprised how much of that makeup was actually a suit and not like body painted on and such. So I, I was impressed by that as well because um, on the DVD they have extras which are done in a really cool way. Back when they actually put effort into the DVD menus, um, and <laughs> you can look at BTS stuff and they've got Jeff Goldblum dancing around in his blue suit, and I'm like, oh shit, that was a suit. That wasn't just like a applicate, you know, applic k's uh to his body so i was impressed by that but uh don what'd you think of the production design is it got that campy flash gordon type feel on purpose oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um very <laughs> yes it absolutely does very music video <laughs> that's that's what i was expecting mm-hmm. i was expecting a music video scene or a yeah. Music yeah. video scene. Yeah, it it pretty much seemed like it, it was pulled right from the eighties music video set of some kind. Um <laughs> especially if you watch enough MTV, which we all did back in the day. Uh because yes, folks, that was before you had your Spotify and your Pandora, you had MTV, which you could turn on and have playing uh constantly because there was always music that was back before they put on all the reality shows but i'll get off my my lawn box now uh <laughs> andrew how about you and the the production design of this and the makeup with the aliens that we get for for a good third of the film actually i loved all of it mm-hmm. i loved the way the ship looked i loved the way the colors looked when they showed space um i loved the animation it reminded me a little bit of fantastic planet uh I loved the yeah, just how colorful everything was. Um, yeah, I don't go big and go hard for like the '80s and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, just not in love with it. But I just kept going like, God, how underrated this whole thing was. I mean, there were weird movies in the '80s, like you know, Leonard Part Six or Howard the Duck, where people were like, "What the hell?" But this movie had consistency of like tone and consistency of. Uh, like the way it looked, everything just the from the performances all the way through the way it was directed, even that crazy dream sequence, which I felt was almost like a Kuchar Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. I just love the way the whole thing. There was nothing at any point that made me go, "Eh, that's corny," or "Eh, that's too far." <laughs> its world is like so solid. The world they build is solid. I mean, it's it's a little bit fanciful suburban. Uh, you know, a, a little bit played up, a little bit exaggerated, as you would expect from a film like this. But they went all in. You're right. They committed to this, and they never let up. It it stayed through. Even when we get, um, when uh, Valerie, because Gina Davis plays Valerie and her asshole uh, fiancé, played by Charles Rocket, Ted, is a doctor who isn't sure if he wants to cheat on Gina Davis or not. And eventually we, we see later on that he does try to um at the same time she's trying to be uh more sensual 
Um, you, you know, but even when we get to the part where, where the guys get shaved by Julie Brown and they're, they're out of makeup, uh, they're still in character. They're st- you, you still see them as the aliens, uh, which I liked. I they didn't immediately suddenly become human. You know, um, I thought that that consistency really helped sell it and, and really ground it a little bit and keep it from getting too out there like a Howard the Duck. <laughs> Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I enjoyed this opening and the aliens, the production, the, uh, how they had the aliens behave as well. Everything just felt very uh, different and very unique for a film like this. And uh, yeah, this was, I believe, introducing Julie Brown. Don, what did you think of Julie Brown as the co-star to Miss uh, Gina Davis in this film for this being her, I guess, her first film? I thought she was fine. I mean, I'd seen her on MTV, uh, and of course, uh, music videos, and mm-hmm. listen to her on Doctor Demento and whatnot. But yeah, I thought she was she was exactly what she needed to be. <laughs> and as you said, all in. I mean, if if the actors weren't committed, weren't as committed to making this, to having fun. Mm-hmm. with this but not in over the top the you know how sometimes they do the sly oh we know what we're doing nudge nudge wink wink they were having fun with it but still making it right a world of its own where hey this is accepted hey this is how it is although i don't think the valley at that time was very realistic anyway <laughs> it was kind of the the valley was kind of considered a. Uh, um, uh, still kind of uh, fantasy world almost. Uh-huh. Totally, <laughs> totally. Uh, it's from the Valley Valley Girl. I mean, you, you had the Valley, yeah. Um, it, it definitely had its own fantasy uh reputation in, in the eighties, anyway. So it was just kind of fitting that it was set during that time. Um, and uh, yeah, you know. These the aliens I liked when they were out of costume. I thought Jim Carrey, you know, Andrew, didn't it feel like I, uh, you give mad props to the director because it felt like they were able to kind of rein in Jim Carrey because you could couldn't you see him possibly trying to dominate the scenes if you didn't keep him under control. <laughs> I think it says something about Jim Carrey that they need him to dial back to play an alien. <laughs> <laughs> But it's really, it truly, you're right. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, What I know about that is that um, Goldblum was basically like their acting coach Mm -hmm. because Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey basically came from the world of stand-up comedy. And uh, he encouraged them just to be, you know, to go crazy, to be as weird as possible. Um, And so on the set, they were doing like joking with each other. They were completely out of character. They were like, I think I Goldblum was like reading Shakespeare aloud. And then when it came time to be like action, they'd zap right into character. They know their lines. They do everything. Meanwhile, the other actors are just like completely unable to concentrate because <laughs> of the, the atmosphere of those three guys compared mm-hmm. to it. But, uh, no, I mean, thinking back, thinking then forward rather to the other things Jim Carrey would do, uh, he and Damon on In Living Color together. Um, it seems very subdued. And the fact that it's in a movie called Earth Girls Are Easy where he plays a shaved alien again 
just reinforces <laughs> Jim Carrey's, you know, his legacy that he had to then be, dude, come, we need you at like a three for this alien. <laughs> well, I mean, because not only that, he plays the most sexual uh, alien out of the three. I mean, the constant walking hormone. Yeah. Um, you know, and so for him to feel it, you know, you could tell, especially if you know his later works, that that it, you could see that he dialed it back, but it worked. I was happy that he did. He wasn't full carry on this, but it was easily you could easily see with this character he could have there gone were, that way. There were moments. Yes, you're right. There were moments of full Jim Carrey. Um, what will I? Uh, definitely, whenever he's like choking on something, smelling something coughing eating anything uh, definitely when he's talking to the woman in the other car where he's repeating yeah. what she's saying he's making some some ace ventura faces maybe even a uh, uh fire marshal bill face mm-hmm. so yeah there's definitely some of his like shtick that's in there for sure yeah uh don how about you do you feel that uh this was just the right amount of jim carrey we needed for this role but you you could tell you know that he was restrained <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it, but it wasn't a bad thing, you know. And and he and Damon Wayans played off each other well. I thought. Um, who who went all in as well? His character is rather a bit of the goofy goofier one um, on this. But yeah, it, it's a restrained carry. Uh, Glenn, do you think we got just enough carry? And could you see where he might have gone off the rails had it not been uh, a little bit more controlled by, say, Jeff Goldblum? Oh gosh! If, if this movie was made like three or four years later, <laughs> oh man, I think it'd be a train wreck. <laughs> so th- I think I think it helped the fact that he was relatively unknown for the mm-hmm. most part at this point. Um, so yeah, he was definitely relegated, you know. And nothing against his his style of comedy that he did, um, but yeah, a whole movie of that man. I mean, Ace Ventura was hard enough to get through. <laughs> um, and oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it was good that he was a secondary character, but uh, he plays well as that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he plays off of well. It, him and him and Wayne's uh, play the roles they need to, which are the kind of sidekicks to Mr. Jeff Goldblum's more uh, sophisticated uh, blue meanie uh, <laughs> Mac. Uh, but Damon Wayans gets a chance to shine in here as well. I mean, Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey, and, and he gets his comedic moments, uh, especially as the horn dog of the group um, and the extraordinarily long ta- uh, tongue scene. Uh, but we get David Wayans in here as Zebo, and he gets a chance to shine in this club scene where uh, the girls take uh, the aliens to a club, because why not? That's what you want to do with aliens when they land in the valley. And he gets this dance scene that... Uh, I don't know, Andrew, did you feel this was reminiscent of that? And I just saw the clip online uh, of that clip where it was, uh, you know, 75 years ago, the ultimate dance clip with the two gentlemen who dance all over the stage and on the tables and they're they're doing splits and such. I think you know which, which I hope you know which uh, dance scene I'm referring to. The, oh, yeah, absolutely. And And this really kind of felt like they were giving a little bit of a nod to that. Do you think there there was a little bit of that influence in this dance-off that we end up getting between Zebo and uh, the uh, uh, the Mr. Style uh, in, in the club? Yeah, that's a great scene, man. That's one of the best. Like, I, I completely blanked that that was in this movie mm-hmm. because the worry you have is that um, – 
they're not going to be able to give the supporting characters as much to do or anything interesting to do or fun to do. And you really hate to see like the black guy be the one that's just like got the absolute least because you know what I mean? They could easily ignored him, especially back then. But instead he gets like, yeah, an extended dance battle. That was awesome. And it's, (laughs) you know, you want to say like, that's a real eighties thing to do. And you'd be right. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what my wife said. My wife said, she's like, yep, that's how you fought the villain in the eighties. You had a dance. (laughs) But just, but did the, the setup for it very, very different. I love when he says like, Hey baby, drop the hero and get with the zero. Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Oh my God. I I wish I would have been cool enough to say that. Uh, Glenn, what'd you think of this dance scene at all? Uh, did you did you like how it was choreographed? Did it did it was it cool that they gave uh, Wayne's kind of a chance to shine? Because that's him doing the dancing. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, he, he is a dance. He know he is a, he's a good dancer. Um, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Who who said this could not have been more 80s? Because yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Um, I, I was just like waiting for like you know Bugaloo Shrimp to show up or something. Bugaloo <laughs> <laughs> Shrimp. There's a reference. Whoo! <laughs> and Don, I, I'm sure you enjoyed the dad soft. Did Did you like how this was choreographed and how they kind of set this up? Oh, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I I really did like it. I actually, I don't. I actually kind of went back to see uh, 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 if Damon Wayne's had any uh, dance history, and I did not realize actually that prior to this, and as a kid, he had a real uh, he had something with his foot where he needed multiple surgeries. So the fact that he went from uh, having a real problem with his his uh, foot requiring surgery after surgery after surgery to being able to do this spectacular dancing was showed just what a dedicated uh, performer he is. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a great sequence, and we we have a couple of other dance sequences as well with our musical numbers. Um, like the one that they have in uh, the beauty, the the when they're doing a makeover, uh, <laughs> which I enjoyed that dance sequence as well. I like the choreography in here, and, and this dance off really was a lot of fun. It it, it is eighties, but um, both actors that are involved in it, uh, all, all three actually, because uh, well, they first start off dancing with the lady back and forth, and then they just go after each other, um, <laughs> which. You know, classic 80s style. Uh, but yeah, I loved how they used the whole set, how long this dance sequence actually goes on. Considering Zebo is a supporting character, this sequence is longer than you might expect for the type of sequence it is. Um, you, you know, and yeah, it just shows off the talent of Damon Wayans and it, it's entertaining uh and just just so much fun like the rest of this film this film keeps this high energy going uh which again not many comedies 
can do, but this one really never, even when we get to the kind of slower parts where uh, Zach, uh, excuse me, Mac is putting the Mac moves on Valerie, um, uh, it never really feels like it slows down. Don, do you think this maintains that energy throughout that it starts with and just it never lets up? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's it, it should have. Mm-hmm. Considering what the plot was, <laughs> it should have slowed down, but it didn't. It 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 had real great pacing. Yeah, I, for a film like this, the pacing is just is is just insane, and it's steady, and it just they it almost felt though like they they took the you know the training wheels off or what the, the hinges off it. They're just like, yeah, hey, let's just do whatever. I mean, Gina Davis's Valerie character who is all dressed up. Uh, she's trying to, early on, she's trying to reignite the spark between her and her fiancé. Her fiancé shows up with the nurse, so she kicks them all out, and suddenly she busts into song as she's destroying things in the house. I mean, just read, not where you might expect a song to happen, happens, but, you know, there's a couple other moments like that, too, where you're like, but then, as Glenn said, there's maybe not as many musical numbers as you might expect from a musical. Uh, but I thought they were all fitting and, and they were fun where they did crop up. Uh, Andrew, what'd you think of when, where the musical numbers did crop up in the movie? This is a very Julie Brown thing to do. Mm-hmm. What I know is that she wrote the movie for herself to star in. Oh, okay. And as they're shopped it around and talked to the studios, Eventually, they got a great deal, but, you know, she's had to give up the leading role. So um, her sidekick was going to be a gay man. So she rewrote the sidekick for herself. But if you're familiar with Julie's work and that she was sort of kind of poised to be like the female Weird Al in a kind of a way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but a bigger Weird Al fan might disagree or agree. I don't really know a whole lot about it in, in terms of equivalency, but she was parodying a lot of stuff and did a couple of movies. Definitely the Medusa movie was a Madonna parody. Uh, and she was just doing kind of like, you know, comedic things. It wouldn't surprise me if it was originally going to be more of a musical and make perhaps even like a stage musical until it morphed into what it did. Um, but I could easily see this being uh, full of songs, all performed by Julie in that character. I would have, I would die now to see her in that pink bathing suit. <laughs> I don't mind I, telling you because we're all friends here. I, that would have knocked my ass right out. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't mind Gina Davis hanging out in the the, the swimming. I'm just suit, saying, but... as a me, there would have been more to put in it. <laughs> if well, if I if you did if you wore that pink bathing suit i'm sure there would be more to put in it andrew uh, well i mean i <laughs> have one i bought one for myself when we made vincent price's skull truth be told oh nice uh, yeah i did just because i was like i had to ask a lot of this is a sidebar i had to ask a lot of my friends to be in bikinis for that movie because it was a bikini car wash we had different shapes and sizes right uh, but if need be i was ready to wear it if it would made everybody else co- more comfortable i didn't end up having to but i had it <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
now I have that mental picture in my head. Uh, now you're I want, welcome. And now I want to see it. Uh, you know, you're very welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no problem. But, um, yeah, you know, the musical numbers in here, Glenn, you said you, you were kind of expecting more, but did you like where the musical numbers do pop up in this film? Yeah. I mean, do, do they fit the plot at all? And what do you think of, of the the songs that were used? <laughs> um. I I I like the uh, what's it called? I'm a blonde. Yeah, I, I like that song. Um, I remember I remember back when I first saw this, liking you. It it it, it does kind of come out of nowhere because I mean, how how far in the movie are you before the first song happens, and then how long is it before the second one happens? So right, it 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 it. I mean, it it seems to fit, while at the same time feeling like rammed in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this it's this weird mix where it's like it doesn't you know it's like all of a sudden this and boom they're singing okay well i mean in a different movie this would feel odd but mm-hmm. in this movie i guess it feels fine <laughs> <laughs> well this is just such a, a a quirky film that it's not following you know really much of a a, a as we've said before, there's not a heavy, deep plot in this film. No, no, not at all. <laughs> you know, it's pretty straightforward. But yeah, the spacing is interesting with the music because we get we get a song with uh, with a makeover, uh, and then soon after that we get her breakup song. But then we have a longer section of time. Well, and then we get a kind of an odd uh, noise song with the aliens as they're trying out different sounds in the house but that's not really a a vocal song but then it goes a pretty long stretch of time before we get uh the uh uh, next song which uh i believe was julie brown's uh i like i like them big and stupid Mm -hmm. i think it was um (laughs) which that's yeah totally uh julie brown totally totally tubular dude well and the um, thing is too is like i said i saw this when i was like almost 30 right so you know I, I didn't pay much attention to being a musical but just the fact that if you would come up to me when i was 30 and said so there's a, a new musical with jeff goldblum damon wayans and jim carrey i'd be like get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> what oh and don't forget <laughs> don't forget michael mckeon you know <laughs> oh but well, yeah. Now, now, I, well, I mean, now I have no problem because he's been in, right? I mean, technically not musicals, but he was in Spinal Tap and he was in Best, uh, not Best in Show, um, right? The uh, Mighty Wind. Mighty so Wind. I mean, so I mean, he's he's at least you know known to be uh, like a musician and a singer a, a bit, right? But yeah, just like nothing about the rest. Of it. I'm like, what? Now, Jim Carrey and w- Damon Wayans in a musical? Uh... Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I guess. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's... Especially if you think of those performers now, you're absolutely right. Within the context of your film, you're like, they're in that. you know. But in all honesty, there's a lot of actors that are actually in films that you're just like, wait, they're in that? I mean... You know, uh, when we saw in Vibes, friggin' Steve Buscemi shows up. You're like, wait, what? Uh, (laughs) So it's not too much of a surprise we get a Jeff Goldblum film where we get a number of 
characters in here that uh, you're just like, that actor is actually doing this, especially Gina Davis and uh, Jeff Goldblum at this point, uh, because you're, they're really veteran actors. And granted, they did comedies as well. We mentioned Transylvania 65000, which we're going to talk about next week. But, you know, seeing them in a quirky film like this, it's just, it, it juggles your brain a little bit when you see a serious, you know, what you kind of can have seen these actors in some serious films, and then they do th- this one. Um, yeah, but then you also, they were they were married, weren't they? Yeah, uh, they they got married during the during uh, production of this, if I remember right. Yes, they did. That they, sounds right. Yep, yeah. uh, they did get married during the production of this, and actually, the reason why it even seems a little more eighties than usual for a nineteen eighty eight film is because this was actually slated to be released by Warner Brothers in eighty six. Uh, but Julian Temple's uh, previous film, Absolute Beginners, I guess, uh, did not do well. So mm-hmm. Dino De Laurentiis Entertainment Group uh, eventually agreed to distribute it, but then it got acquired by Vestron after DEG went into bankruptcy. And Jeez. <laughs> it got, it, and then uh, it, prior to Vestron picking up the film for distribution, other studios, including New World Pictures, Nelson Entertainment, MGM, and 20th Century Fox had expressed interest in acquiring the film. So there's a little extra behind-the-scenes history with this film. But So, yeah, this actually sat on the shelf for a little while, which kind of explains the look of it, because in the 80s, Things seem to change almost weekly uh, in it. Uh, you know, and with Gina Davison here, Don, what did you think of Gina Davis's character and how it was written? I mean, it it is the 80s, and we know how most female characters are written, but for the comedy like this, I mean, well, actually, all the female characters in here, how, how did you think they were handled in this? Well, I thought they were handled quite well. I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell it was written by a woman. Yes. <laughs> because the characters where they're ditzy in valet, they're not. They're, they're still very, very strong women. Mm-hmm. And they... They're the main characters. They just right. are. The men are the men are there to support them and to be their dancing monkeys. <laughs> and be their dancing monkeys. That is that is very true. Uh, even though this is Jeff Goldblum month, and Jeff Goldblum is known because, especially because of his blue color in here, this is a Gina Davis movie, much like Vibes mm, was. Jeff Goldblum is known for that shirtless scene. That's why he's known <sighs> in this movie. Yes, but that was before he had all the hair for his chest. So he was, you know, it was it was young Goldblum before the hairy uh, open shirt days of Jurassic Park. Uh, he wouldn't get that chest hair until uh, five years later. Uh, but <laughs> he was also he was also freshly shorn by. That's true. By Julie yes. Brown's character. By Candy. By Candy, Candy. yes. Candy, Candy did shorn him. Uh, yes, in her, in her magical nair boxes that she has. <laughs> but come on, Glenn, in a movie like this, at that point, oh, you, yeah. you know. <laughs> Just like, so she put them in the giant tanning beds for what reason? <laughs> 
for for the big reveal, I guess. I guess. I, I I don't. So you could have that moment where it pauses as Goldblum comes out of. You know, instead we get Jim Carrey. It's like, oh yeah, he's cute, and then we get Damon Wayans, and then shirtless Goldblum is like, you know, angels opened up the heavens, and we it's get. True, it's true. <laughs> Hey, but think about it, though, if, like, a Fred Olin Ray had made this movie or, like, Wynorski or any of them, Skinamax style, it would have been, like, a couple of dudes got this alien chicks that fall into their pool, and then they all come out Nightmare Sister style with, like, oiled up, you know, boobs out. That's how they would have done it, you know? Of course. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely how they would have would have done it, and that was what was interesting. Uh, that's why I wanted to get your opinion, uh, Don, on the female characters in here because the way they're written, uh, yeah, you can definitely tell that uh, it, they're the, the script was written by by a, a female. You can always tell, especially with the dialogue. But these are all women who are not only very confident in themselves, but in their sexuality, and they are acting at the same level as we would normally see guys, aren't they, Andrew? Wouldn't you say that we see them acting similar to the way we'd seen guys, as you mentioned earlier, with like a Wynorski picture or one of the other exploitation pictures we've seen? Um... I mean, they might have got like Julie Brown's the funniest in -hmm. the movie, the funniest character. She's actually got some great comic beats that are hilarious now. Like she's almost like from the future aware that she's in a corny Zadie movie. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, right. True. Um, But no, um, they are way smarter than men would be. Mm -hmm. Yes. Way, way (laughs) smarter. Way smarter. But I mean, I mean, and I totally agree. Don't get I'm totally agree. But I'm just saying the way they talk about sexuality is you know uh awesome but at the same time it is how you would normally see you know sexual things like you know when carrie's character has the extraordinarily long tongue and it it goes all the way to the bottom of the glass and all the girls are like oh he's going home with me he's going home with me and julie brown's candy because of like no he's going home with me (laughs) you know and you know why so i think men one of them would have gotten into the spaceship and found a way to turn it nuclear and so there would be a subplot about it's going to explode the world <laughs> that's that's very true you're you're absolutely right dumb um, motherfuckers they, oops scared they, sorry <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that slipped out well that's who the aliens represent the uh, a couple facets of man is actually let's go deep here uh you've got the facets of man uh with the three aliens uh, the the various types, the kind of goofy, awkward type, the sexual type, and then the little bit of suave type, which is AKA Jeff Goldblum sans shirt. Um, <laughs> you know, or am I digging too deep, Glenn, on a film like this? Uh. Man, yeah, I think I think you got the backhoe out, and you're really going. To <laughs> he said, "Ho." He said, "I did." <laughs> A back hoe, no less. <laughs> Not even the front hoe. It's the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Don, what do you think? You think I'm digging too deep here, or, or we got a bit of representation of, of types of man through the aliens? I, I mean, yeah, but it's a real stretch. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, you've got... <sighs> You've got the 
you've got Dr. Dude, who mm-hmm. is a complete prick. And I mean, from the moment he's introduced, when he comes in and he's hiding the hickey um, with makeup. Yeah. It, you you know he's a you know he's a a, a jerk you, you know he's a complete dishonest everything that <clears throat> the the jerky males from the eighties were supposed to be you know all well, suave and wonderful to your face and then kind of shitty behind your back. Well, the haircut gives it away alone. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> look up eighties dick and they got that hair. So uh, <laughs> fair enough, but um, and and yeah, the the aliens are the newer, better model of male. Mm-hmm. Is it because would you say that because they're they're more genuine? They're just they are who they are. They aren't trying to be someone else. Well, they uh, are trying to be well, human. Well, they're but trying to be human, but I mean, outside they're, they're of that. They're very forthright with what, with what they want. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's that, it's that, hey. Yeah. <laughs> the expectation of a, of a, of a woman at that time was just freaking. I mean, and still today, just freaking be honest with me. And yeah, it was appealing. And, and the aliens were honest with her. I mean, especially Mr. Swath <laughs> Goldblum with the oh God, that scene. The love scene we have in here. Uh, is that the scene you were thinking of, Don? Yeah. Where, where she says, yeah. I think I need to go to my bed now. And he just goes into her bedroom and what's he do, Don? What's he do? Well, she starts talking and trying to explain what sex or making love is. And, and, and gets to the point, well, well, a man and woman take off her clothes, and so he does, and yeah, and things happen, and it, that was such a, I, I felt that was a very awkward scene. It, I mean, the actual part that was supposed to be sex, I felt that was very awkward. I, I think that was a purpose, but yeah, I will agree that it was, it was so odd. It was almost a bit off, but you're like, you get this scene in here. You're like this. Okay. This is a bit awkward for one and two. This, what happened to my quirky movie? Now we've got this sex scene oh, no. in here, but I, so I think quirky. it was a parody yeah. of, I think it was supposed to be a parody of mm-hmm. what a typical 80s sex scene was supposed to be. At least I hope no, so. I, that's how I took it. I hope that's what they intended too. Cause yeah, it was a very awkward sex scene. Andrew, how about you? What'd you think about in this PG movie, this sex scene? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, it's a fantasy, yeah. you know, and so, uh, you know, Julie Brown writes this, um, you know, we can't forget it's not a regular sex scene or even a regular sex scene with an alien. It's a sex scene with an alien who has sexual powers being with a woman who is completely unsatisfied by the man in her life. Well, I mean, so we've set all of that stuff up. He gave an orgasm to the cat first. We know what he can do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, it had been, I mean, and it had been, my God, how long was it? Two weeks? Two yeah, weeks? It was, it was two, two weeks and everyone was aghast by that. No, I mean, there, uh, I, I know for a fact that when Julie Brown uh, mounted a stage version of this, uh, of this property years later, uh, she completely eliminated the two other alien characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think about it with, you know, the boil down to its absolute bones, it is a story about this loveless relationship and this, you know, person who is then uh, 
you know, empowered to kind of take charge of herself. And the catalyst for it is the arrival of these, uh, this sexually ignoring those other two guys, uh, this alien with, uh, sexual abilities. So it could have easily also been a porn is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, there you go, Glenn. There's some defense for your friend. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is there is a porno called Earth Girls Are Sleazy. No. <laughs> actually, yes. well, Earth Girls Are Sleazy. Wow, what will they think of that? Actually, uh, Gator Blade Films is just coming out with a film called Earth Girls Are Sleazy, which is, um, a, yeah, is their kind of standard format of film. Very explicit, very exploitive. Um, Wake me up when they do one where everybody's fucking tennis balls. It's Nerf Girls are easy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. When you say they're fucking tennis balls, Andrew. I think a better. better, uh, See, though, if I was going to be a movie about fucking tennis balls, I would just call it Ball Boys. (laughs) Wake wake me up when they're fucking little three apple high blue people. Smurf Girls are easy. Okay. Smurf girls, are you? Oh, oh, wow, Andrew, the the sheer mental menagerie you've painted in my brain tonight um, is just uh, disturbing. Wake and... me up when they're doing dwarf golfers. Dwarf girls are easy. Okay. Starring Tim Conway okay. with tennis <laughs> shoes on their knees. I, I don't want to see Tim Conway in a, a porno. Star Trek version where it is wharf girls are no. easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I might want to see that, but I don't want to see Tim Conway in a porno. No, no, no. you don't. No, not you don't want to see him take it up the old Conway. <laughs> no, want to see Conway three way. God, would the three way be with Don Knotts? Three way with what? Tim Tim Don Knotts in a Wookalore? <laughs> What episode number is this? <laughs> it's 250. Yeah, you got to go for it on 250, guys. You got to go. Woo, there you go, folks. And here I thought Earth Girls Are Easy was a hashtag cinematic experience, but this podcast <laughs> is turning into one real quick. They are far more complicated, as we all know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you you did mention the, the dream scene because the, the, we get the, the, the sex scene in here, which they play off at first, which whether or not it really happened, well, was it in her mind? No, it was. It did actually happen. Um, but then she gets the nightmare scene later on. And yeah, this one is wild. I, I just loved how it jumped like from color black and white and in... And just the bizarreness of it, uh, Glenn. What'd you think of this dream sequence that we had in here with the, with the uh, where she's watching the electroids? Yes, they show up in here. Yeah, uh, that's all I cared about. <laughs> I saw. I'm like, I'm like, dude, that, that that's Adventures of Bucker. Ah, Jeff Goldblum. I see what they're doing here. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's just it's just and that's just one of the little quirky. Uh, Nods to other quirky movies that they have in this little quirky cameos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but- I I dug that. I I caught the electroids in here. I'm like, wow. I mean, they 
this if you thought the rest of the film was quirky, we get this dream sequence. And Don, what'd you what'd you think of this whole dream sequence? And, I loved uh, every second of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did. I thought it was fantastic. That's the kind of dream I like to have. Okay. I I don't think I've ever had a dream quite like that. Um well, it, close. I just didn't have the topless aliens doing the uh, workout in the backyard. Uh, that they were missing. But I've had some similar dreams to it. But uh, I've said too much now. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, you mentioned this dream sequence earlier. Did you did you like this one? Yeah, uh, Don said it best. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I felt about it. Absolutely loved it. Would have been fine. I could have watched the whole movie like that, honestly. Loved it. <laughs> With aliens in the neighborhood who uh, had that suburbia, uh, because we're talking 80s, so we're going to poke a little fun at suburbia, uh, which which they do a little bit in here, because those dang yuppies that are living in the suburbs, um, so we, we get a little bit of that with the dream sequence of aliens uh, in her neighborhood, and yeah, I, what gets me is, you know, it's all practical, so I see this dream sequence where they're doing a lot of the, you know, all the makeup and such. And I'm like, holy crap, this, this actually took a lot of work to do just this quirky dream sequence. Uh, it was just surprising the amount of work they put into some of the scenes in this film for, for what it was. You know, I mean, it, it blows me away altogether, the, the work they put in here. And uh, I think, it it might be a bit underappreciated still for what it is. Uh, Andrew, w- would you say this film is a bit underappreciated for for pretty much what what it is and the work and and basically what they're doing in this movie? Yeah, I think the the title of it and the music and how you know kind of just off the wall the whole concept is. It's one of those movies like uh, I guess Dude Where's My Car is a great example. For all of that overshadows the fact that it is got a lot of really fun and interesting things going on at production wise. Um, I would actually love to see a double bill with those two movies. I think they would go great together because uh, anyone who really saw Dude Where's My Car and really remembers it uh, remembers that there was so much more to it than just it's like goofy ass premise, you know, <laughs> and, and but the movie has to be because you mm-hmm. think about Earth Girls are easy, not much to it. And you can see why the musical in- scenes are there. And why the, that, that crazy dream scene is in there. Without them, you don't have a full feature-length film. But you also don't have delivery on concept. If someone goes to see a movie called Earth Girls Are Easy, if you just have the aliens and that whole goofy, like, fish-out-of-water plot and, oh, I've got aliens in my house thing, you're done in about 20 to 30 minutes. There's nowhere to go. You, It needs that stuff. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, like, what puts it over the top and makes it really underrated was just how artistic that was. And I don't think uh, a regular feature film director would have known how to do that. It had to have been made by someone who made music videos and also a fair amount of cocaine because it was the 80s, as we know. The uh, (laughs) Breakfast of Champions, the unsung hero, cocaine. (laughs) The one that deserved its own Academy Award in the 80s. Once again, we bring you (laughs) cocaine. (laughs) And the winner is... Again this year, cocaine. Cocaine. Uh, I'd like to thank cocaine. Cocaine and cocaine. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, there had to be just a little bit. 
uh, on the set of this on the set of this film. Uh, Glenn, how about you? Do you think the Earth Girls Are Easy is still underrated uh, for what they do in this movie? I, geez, I don't know if it was ever rated. Um, <laughs> I would have to say that it would be underrated. Sure. Um, I mean, I mean, it was. It was a wet turd at the box office. Yeah, it. I mean, it bombed. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, when you can't even make back your ten million dollar, not even half your ten million dollar budget, is uh, is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, underrated. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, for people that are into cult classics, this is a cult classic. Right. But it's it's. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I'm not sure. I think probably underrated just because of, of, just who's in it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I, I I can definitely see that approach to it. Uh, just for the cast that they have in here, which is still mind-boggling to me on this. Uh, Don, how about you? I think I know what your answer is going to be, but uh, do, you, do you feel this feels still underrated for what it is? Oh, absolutely. Like mm-hmm. I said, when I first saw it, it was back in the late 80s and I disregarded it at that time I enjoy it much more as an adult um I there's lots of reasons it was it was kind of passed over um it probably the delay in getting it released to the box office probably had a huge effect um because it was mixed in with a bunch of other movies that were popular uh of the same style or there was just a, such a saturation at that time, especially with the video market going on, um, that people had other easily other options, especially, again, with the VHS market that was going on. Um, yeah, I think people should. I, I, I think it's – I think it holds up now as a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it holds up as – definitely as a fun movie and it did it did have some competition i mean 1988 was also a, a, another interesting year for hollywood um actually i've got one on my dvd here we talked about last time don uh alien from la i've got on i have that on yep. DVD. me too yeah i've got it on one of those midnight movie double features i found at a flea market for a buck um or a couple bucks it's paired with morons from outer space uh but you know alienated la so uh but she had you know just such an interesting group beetlejuice came out that year you had big which was a comedy you know a big business there were a lot of comedies that came out in the 80s um you know a big top peewee bloxy blue i mean so there was a lot of comedy competition uh for this to go against so it, it yeah it's it's not quite a surprise that it got buried underneath but i'm i'm with andrew uh artistically alone what they do for this film is just it's impressive uh for a 10 million dollar film and then you add the cast and everybody the world building everything for this film it just uh i i think you can see why it's a cult classic I think when it came out, it was misunderstood in, in many respects because of especially the way the other comedies were down, during that time. Because uh, even back then, comedies had a bit, 
usually end up having some kind of dramatic action sequence to them. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at you, Police Academy. Um, but in this one, it's just straight up overall weird comedy that I think uh, should be revisited by many people, especially if they're fans of anybody in this film. Uh, you should check it out, I think. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Earth Girls Are Easy is it's not a deep film. It is a Gina Davis film, but it does have uh, shirtless Jeff Goldblum in it. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I, I love saying that because every time I say shirtless Jeff Goldblum, Don just smiles and just kind of makes this noise. And it's funny because it was mentioned on my uh, wife's Facebook page and some of her friends were like, oh, yeah, that's the one that's got shirtless Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh. So it it lives in infamy, at least if nothing else for that. And, uh, you know, prime example of uh, a film that's full of uh, sexual themes and such, and yet still rated uh, PG. So uh, there you have it there, folks, including uh, uh, some bare breasts of Gina Davis. Uh, So how times have changed. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up tonight. So if folks, uh, do you, unless there's a, something we didn't cover with the film that uh, you want to talk about, uh, Glenn, was there anything else with the film that you may want to talk about we didn't cover? I'll just say that if you like MASH, the series, you got to watch this. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, you do, uh, for a particular cameo. Uh, well, well put, well put. Cameo? Don- no, I just, well, I like MASH. Oh, I'm talking about. <laughs> oh God, I, I love you, Glenn. Uh, <laughs> and Don, <laughs> was there anything else that you wanted to cover that maybe we didn't talk about yet? With Earth Girls Are Easy. Uh, um, no, I probably should have mentioned it in the pacing when we were talking about the pacing. Hmm. Um, but in addition to being a musical, it had just had a great soundtrack. Yeah. The soundtrack to this film is awesome. I was actually looking it up while we were watching the movie. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to check out the soundtrack. Um, vinyl is hard to find, but it's still out on CD for sure. Uh, so, But, of course, I was always looking, looking for the vinyl first. Uh, but, yes, you're right. Soundtrack to this in general uh, is, is solid, just entertaining, and very fitting for the film. And, uh, Andrew, anything, uh, that we may not have touched on you wanted to talk about with Earth Girls Are Easy? Uh, yeah, but I don't know what, I don't want to be a downer since we've had Go such right a ahead. fun and lively No, discussion. no, please, by all means. Uh, uh, we happen to be recording this on National, uh, Suicide Prevention Day, and I don't think it would be fair for us to talk about this movie and not mention that, uh, Charles Rocket, uh, did die by suicide. Oh. He was... He was a, uh, I, most people, I guess he's most famous for, he was the villain in Dumb and Dumber, but I think he may be most famous for having said fuck on Saturday Night Live and then being fired from after that. It's like mm-hmm. one of the, I think the first, maybe the first cast member to be fired for saying fuck. But um, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, Charles Rocket, um, unfortunately, I think sometime in the mid 2000s uh, took his own life. And we should also do the number, which I looked up because I didn't want to mention this without one 800 Two seven three eight two five five is the suicide prevention lifeline. But I always get like when I hear podcasts and there is an actor in the movie that is has died. 
um, a lot of times they don't mention it. And I know they don't mention it because it's not a happy subject, especially when you're talking about a comedy. But um, many of our comedy stars have taken their own lives. And it's like, you know, it's it. I felt like it was wrong to kind of not at least mention that, especially today. Yeah, no, that's I no problem with that. That's uh, absolutely it. Yeah, it is unfortunate that especially comedians um, seem, you know, I mean, of course, Robin Williams is the most prolific and the one everybody knows about, but it kind of shines a light on that a lot of times your funniest people are the ones suffering uh, internally with the deepest depression. So it's true. um, Although I, I guess I can pick it up a little bit. I do have a question for the room. Uh, If they made this now, um, do you think they would have included an extended shaving sequence? Ooh, like a montage type of deal. Yeah, because everybody now wants to know with the whole, you know, personal grooming and whatnot. Uh, do, do we do we think they would include? Go ahead and have it be PG thirteen, and go ahead and include a little bit more details about what happened in those little behind the scenes. Because it's like, <laughs> bam! Suddenly these men are completely hairless, and as we all know. A lot goes into achieving that, and so <laughs> do do we do we all agree that they would include that if they made it now? And mm. was anyone curious? Did anyone think I'd kind of like to have seen a little bit of what she did to them? <laughs> Glenn, now, oh. all I'm envisioning is Sorry. an extensive scene of the waxing scene of Steve Carell from the Forty Year Virgin. <laughs> That's all I'm envisioning right now. Wow! No, I don't want to see that. You don't want to see them shave Jeff Goldblum down to his golden bare abs. I don't want to see them waxed. Oh, I gotcha. You don't want to see him waxed. Okay, I I follow you. Okay, that's that's fine. I I think there would be an extended shaving scene. I think they would feel the need to show a montage and maybe even a slight musical number about it. Uh, Glenn, w- would you say they would do the extended scene of shaving and not just, oh, look, they're hairless now? Um. Sure. <laughs> I think I'm the maybe, only one maybe, that just admits it. <laughs> maybe, maybe something, maybe still a little mysterious, but maybe something a little like um, going through some process that you can kind of see here behind the scenes like uh the awakening scene from austin powers man of mystery when they um, when they unfreeze him yeah something kind of like that that would work that would actually work well in this movie it would add more i think it would make it would add some more hilarity to it, yeah, I feel absolutely. it was a, a missed opportunity for this film. If just bear, wear just no not shirt, waxing. Bear, bear, nor shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they could have gotten Nair to pay for advertising. Instead of going to theaters, it could have been on MTV as a premiere. This movie would have blown up, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I bet you anything had this film had MTV been where it was in the 90s in the 80s they would have probably just went to MTV and played it as an exclusive MTV movie um and you're right i think it would have done a lot better um but MTV was still actually doing actual mostly music videos at the time uh yes folks that was a thing at one time on MTV uh, 
<laughs> so before all this reality TV uh, happened. Uh, so, cause Don and I were talking about, uh, the first film that exclusive for sci-fi, which was, uh, Mr. Stitch, uh, with Rutger yep. Howard, uh, yep, yep. you know, so cables were starting to look at possibly doing exclusive movies. And yeah, I think if this would have been an exclusive MTV movie that it would have probably just been more of a hit, um, yeah. Quite a bit, because, I mean, think about it. Back in the 80s, they did a big, and even in the early 90s, like a music video coming out from a big star was handled like a movie premiere. <laughs> it was. And you know what we didn't mention? Uh, Madonna was one of the people that said no to the leading role of this, and in one scene, she throws a Madonna record into the fire. Yes! Yep. <laughs> it, that was so deliberate because I'm watching the movie and I'm like, oh, look, it's a Who's That Girl album. And, and she's throwing the others. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, they're making some kind of statement here because they specifically made sure you saw it was a Who's That Girl album <laughs> that they're yeah, throwing into the fire. I don't recall the list of names, but Madonna was one of them. Yeah. Uh, they had it had a number of uh, actresses uh that they wanted for it that before they got Gina Davis. And I think Gina Davis worked not just because she was already uh lovey dovey with uh, Mr. Abs, but um, she made it believable. She really yeah. sold it. She, I think Julie Brown, um, she would have been, she would have camped it up too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really think that Gina Davis's habit when she works with Jeff Goldblum, she picks up his speech patterns. And I think in certain scenes in that film, it worked really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it worked. It played off each other very well. Well, not just her speech patterns. I was trying to figure out if everybody was trying to mimic Jeff Goldblum's eyes throughout this film, because at some point, everybody's eyes were just huge. <laughs> and Gina well, he was teaching them how to act, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Gina Davis's eyes seemed big throughout. So... You know, maybe it was because she was so close to Jeff Goldblum or uh, our wonderful person who deserved an Academy Award every year in the 80s, cocaine. So you never know. <laughs> but in any case, there you have it, folks. Earth Girls are easy. If you haven't checked it out, hopefully we wet your whistle for it. A very interesting film. Uh, also, to note for note, those who love little trivia tidbits, the movie was the final appearance for Robbie the Robot for quite some time. He would not show up in a movie again until 15 years later. The costume returned in Looney Tunes back in action. Um, but he was pretty much uh, absent until uh, from Earth Girls Are Easy to Looney Tunes. So... There's a little tidbit of trivia for you for ye old Robbie the Robot, uh, which, you know, uh, there's always room for Robbie. So I think uh, any fi film is better with Robbie the Robot in it. And, uh, and Frankenstein. And Frankenstein, yes. And or at least his car. At least his car. Yeah, there were two yeah. cars, weren't there? There were two cars from... Yeah, there was, uh, uh, oh, I forget the other, other person's name, the one woman driver from... Uh, Right. Calamity Jane. Calamity, Calamity Jane. Jane. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Mary Warnock. Yeah. <laughs> so there's even a couple a couple little car cameos as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know what? I hadn't seen this film in its entirety before, 
And I kick myself for it because this is a film that's just right up my alley. I love odd, quirky films. And this one, if you look up odd, quirky films in the dictionary, it will say, see, Earth Girls are easy. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad movie. So there you have it, folks. Number 250 is in the books. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone. And now this is, of course, where I give... My fantastic crew members who have kept coming back and very patient with this rambling host, uh, a chance for their license to shill. So, Mr. Andrew, uh, please, sir, where can they find your stuff at? Hey, thanks, everyone, for tolerating me this evening, particularly when I went on the the tangent about the name of the movie for, like, I don't know how long that was. And just FYI for the future, don't laugh at me. I'll just keep going. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's been a pleasure Um, uh, go to gonzorific.com g-o-n-z-o-r-i-f-f-i-c we made a movie called Space Boobs in Space you can also rent it on Vimeo on demand you might want to check it out if you like uh, MTV style stuff I'm very influenced by that it's a lot of weird movies shoved together into one movie so and you know got cleavage got butts got monsters got aliens but everything you could possibly want in a movie. And uh, you would like like laughing at me, just be encouraging my friends and I to keep making more movies like that, including Bad Girl Dracula, which premieres on November 15th of this year at Athens Cine. Awesome. You know, get, get, get back to me when you make a movie about 80s video games in a porno that you'd call Gorf Girls Are Easy. Oh, man. Glenn <laughs> <laughs> with the callback. Shit, that, yeah. Wow, Gorf. Holy crap. I played I, Gorf uh, last week. I have the budget for um, Spork Girls Are Easy, but about, that's about it. <laughs> it, it I, I have to plug this because, again, my wife is a big Jeff Goldblum fam, and I will definitely get to uh, my other uh, lovely guests, uh, their things to shill, but we're sitting there and they show at one point the dick fiance tries to make up with Valerie and he brings in uh, a, uh, was it a Wayne Newton uh, album uh, in and he's holding it and the album is 1100 Bel Air Place but my wife uh, said does that say Booby Air Palace? <laughs> I love her. Oh my! To which, she, after she said it, and Andy, I was laughing. She just created Andy's next movie. Exactly. That's exactly what <laughs> she said. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, you've got to tell Andrew because Andrew needs to now make a movie called Booby Air Palace." My God, uh, I need to get rid of this reputation that I'm a breast <laughs> guy. I don't even care about breasts. I don't care about them. I think they're funny. <laughs> but I think all body parts are funny. Well, yes. Well, yeah. But that's not going to help. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she, no, but of, she, of all the people I've ever met in my life, if anyone's going to make a, a movie called Booby Air Palace, you're, you're not be. wrong. The company that I keep, they <laughs> yeah, they will take that ball, boob ball, and run with it. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, D, D could easily star in that. He would be ecstatic. <laughs> to star in anything like that <laughs> so no she she loves you andrew but she just because of the title how how it played off of it i know, you know i get so. it and it's <laughs> she's not wrong you were all right about 
the shit that I do. I'm just, for the record, if anyone cares, not a breast person. No, you like big butts. You cannot lie. Right? That's exactly no. correct. Yeah. <laughs> We've done it on these episodes. I know I know where Andrew's uh, uh, interests lie. I mean, so. I'm up front about everything. <laughs> but yeah, my legacy, I can't help it at this point. Yeah. Well, Andy Boob related. What are you gonna find? Well, you you made a movie called Space Boobs in Space, so that You're damn right. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, you actually made two movies about space boobs. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. No. I did it to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Andrew, Andrew, please, I I want you to come back to the show. We love you, <laughs> really. Oh no, it's all good, man. I mean, you know, you guys could be like, oh right, he makes those dumbass movies. Tell you what, <laughs> don't mention it. <laughs> Well, I mean, she would. She wants to see this film now, so it's like... God, what's it called oh, again? Tell me the name. Uh, what, uh, Booby <laughs> Air Palace. I think that's the B&B we put the people in when we made the last movie. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Booby Air Palace. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm like sitting here going, though, when, when, when that title came up, I'm like, I don't think Newton did a album called booby air palace no. okay well you guys win coming soon i guess no <laughs> no pressure andrew you don't have to okay you can It'll just fucking happen on its own you, you can, watch you can do you can <laughs> do you can do booty air palace there you go if you God. want <laughs> then, it's an air palace that's shaped like a butt and then the gas for uh, it to accelerate through the sky comes out from between the two cheeks. So there you go. Mm, sounds yeah. like I got a volunteer for that script around here somewhere. <laughs> oh, I've I've said too much. Don, <laughs> uh, I know you've got something you want to plug. <laughs> yeah. Plug that Once again. <laughs> what? Space boobs in space. Yeah, go space check boobs. out Gondorific. Yay. <laughs> um... So, as I've been doing frequently lately, new Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Fest in beautiful downtown Oshkosh, Wisconsin at the historic Time Community Theater, second weekend of October, Friday night, Friday night for an uh, independent double, double feature, feature part of the yes. festival, Saturday and Sunday. Come check it out. Yes. Support your local filmmaker. In, like me. Like Glenn, yes. Like like one of our featured filmmakers. Yes. Hell yeah. Yes. Uh, there will be a couple of uh, projects that Glenn has made that will be playing at uh, the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival, the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival, uh, as it is known. Uh, and speaking of our filmmaker and friend, the BFD, Glenn, you have anything at all you'd like to plug? Nah. Nah? You're good? You can follow me on Twitter, where I get really political about a lot of stuff. <laughs> what, what about, do you still got your YouTube? Oh, I... Well, I'm not doing any YouTube lately, but I do have my YouTube channel, where you can actually watch my short films as well as all the various movie reviews I've done, uh, which is a Guy in a Bunker Productions. You can also follow me on Twitter, Guy in a Bunker. Um, actually, now it's Games in a Bunker. Yeah, Games in a Bunker. I switched because I do that every now and again. So, yeah, there you go. 
games in a bunker. It, that sounds like a fun evening. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's that's my plan. When the world goes to shit, I'm just going to sit in a bunker and play games until the mutants get me. Well, the and the volume of games you have that'll keep you occupied for a while. So probably. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll come over to your bunker every so often if you let me in. Uh, or was I the mutant you were referring to? Um, <laughs> I'll probably be the mutant. So, but <laughs> there you have it, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we appreciate you all. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten to two fifty if people weren't actually listening so we thank you so much for tuning into the spoiler room have your friends tell their friends and their friends tell their friends that we do exist here we got stuff on patreon all over the place uh we'll just say now a good night everyone oh hold on people listen to this yeah they oh shit Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.